You're listening to the Mill Sunday School Podcast. Psalm 19 is a pretty uh, cool, pretty awesome psalm about God's creation. And so I'm going to read the first six verses. Psalm 19, it goes something like this. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. And so if you're, if you're not... Uh, sure, what we're talking about today is we're talking about evolution and creation, and we as Christians are creationists. We believe that God created the heavens and the earth. And so the heavens declare the glory of God. They proclaim the, the work of his hands. Verse 2 says, day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. And then it says, they have no speech. They do not use words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes into all the earth. Their words into the ends of the earth. This, this play on um, uh, words and, and how the heavens speak to us. In the heavens, God has a pitched a tent in the sun. He is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. So he's speaking about the sun, speaking about how the heavens and the earth and God's creation speak and testify that he is a creator, that, that, that it came from somewhere. So with that, let's, let's pray. Let's, let's worship our, our God. So God, we, we thank you for your creation. We thank you that, that we worship you through, through um, the, who you are and that we worship you alone, but your creation, the things you've created for us to see and observe and look at, that, that God, it exemplifies you, that you are awesome and you are holy. You are, there's none like you. You are the creator and God, you are awesome. And so God, we worship you. We praise you this morning, and everybody screamed, "Amen!" Um, yeah, so we're we're talking all this month about evolution and creation, this topic that's kind of debated sometimes, uh, many times within the church and the realm of science or in in school. And um, um, yeah, so that's uh, today's actually the second talk uh, of this month, and I wanted to open up with this idea that. I think it's good to make a decision about kind of what you believe. And I'm going to lay out a bunch of things today. And, and I particularly um, probably lean to, if you had to, like, if there was a continuum between being indecisive and impulsive, if you know me very well, you probably know that I'm actually not that impulsive. Like with the things that I buy, the decisions that I make, I am probably more indecisive. And it takes me a while to make a decision. If I'm making a big purchase or something, I, I look through ads and I, I, I find the, the best sale price, and I'm really not that impulsive. And I remember as a kid, I was also very indecisive. Here's me in sixth grade. Look at that. Just, you know, a little handsome little dude. Uh, that's me. And um, that sixth grade, um, I was standing in front of a, like the sixth grade project. And in sixth grade, we had this field trip. It was like this end of the year, awesome, epic sixth grade field trip. I lived in New York at the time. And so we'd all get on buses early in the morning at the end of the school year. And the teacher, I mean, it's this thing that we looked forward to all year long. And we went to Canada, which was pretty cool because as a sixth grader, your field trip to, was to another country, which was pretty sweet. It was just an awesome thing that I got to experience. I went to Canada, Quebec, uh, went to um, the, the, the capital uh, in, in, in Ontario, saw museums, saw the capital, um, had fun all, all day with my classmates. It was just an awesome, really cool field trip. And then at the end of the field trip that night before getting on the bus 
and coming back home, we had, we went to, like, we got dressed up. I think we brought a change of clothes or something, got dressed up, and went to this really fancy French restaurant. There's a lot of French um, people in, in Quebec and Ontario, and um, a lot of French speakers as well. And so we went to this really expensive, really nice French restaurant, and it was just so epic as, like, a little sixth grader. Like, this is so cool. And, and then we were allowed to order anything that we wanted. And so I'm sitting there with my menu, and I think I had a little tie on, and trying to decide what I wanted. I'm like, what's a, what in the world is a, a whore's deserve? <laughs> what's, a, what's a creep? What's, a, a <laughs> what's an East Cargo? What, I don't know what these things are. But, but there was like little descriptions, and, so, and we were told you could order whatever you want. And I just wanted like, it to be, I mean, I was just so fascinated with it. It was so cool and so rich and expensive and nice. I was like, I really want, I could have anything I want. What do I want to have? And so the, the waitress went around, and she asked everybody what they want, and I was still deciding. She's like, oh, I'll come back. And as a kid, you don't really think about, like, how restaurants work. They're like, we take your order, and you give you the food, and, and that's how it's supposed to work. But I was like, I'm still deciding. And then people were like, actually, the waitress was like bringing people's food out, and I still had the menu, like, trying to figure out what I wanted. And I think the waitress told, like, one of the teachers, like, hey, what's wrong with this kid? Tell him to pick something. And so one of the teachers, Miss King, came over and was like, hey, honey, you got to, you know, you got to order. You got to pick out what you want. Uh, and I was like, I just can't decide. I don't know. And I, I think I kind of like a little kid, like panic attack. I was like, what do I decide? I don't know what to have for dinner. I can have anything I want. And there's, you know, pressure and I don't want to order the wrong thing. And it was just a really big deal at the time. And, and so, like, since, and so finally the teacher was just, I think she was just like, do you want me to order for you? And I was like, oh, yes, please, just do it. And so she ordered for me. I was like, thank you. And, and since then, I've had to, it's one of those things that I kind of have to work on. I have to work on being more decisive because my natural tendency is to be totally indecisive. Like when a teacher gives you an assignment, like an English teacher, is like, write a three-page paper. You're like, on what? And it's like, anything you want. I'm like, oh my gosh, I hate that because I'm going to spend more time thinking about what I'm going to write on than actually anybody else like that. You're just like, just tell me what to write about and I'll write it. Um, so I'm, I, I lean towards kind of indecisiveness. But So I say all that to preface that, that I'm going to give kind of this outline of today of different views of how we can manage this debate between evolution and creation within the church. I'm going to give you different views, and I'm really going to want you to, to pick one, to decide on one. And it's not like you're going to etch it into stone. It's like, this is what I choose this day. But it's more of, um, I, I want you to choose something so that you could begin to talk about it and, and understand it better, and uh, at least just be, be able to be aware of which, what your tendencies are that you're leaning towards on one of these. And so we'll get to that. Um, but but basically it's this, what is your interpretation of the scientific, uh, scientific evolution and the biblical narrative? I'm, I'm going to lay out various positions that we have within the church and ask you to pick one. So that, that, that'll be this whole lesson, but uh, we'll take a while in getting there. So, um, yeah, if you're, if you're new, as far as announcements before we jump right in, if you're new, we have this card. It says, Get Schooled, um, which is kind of our old motto. And uh, that's what you're doing in here. You're getting schooled, which kind of has like negative connotations, right? Like you just got schooled, like he killed me. Anyways, uh, so if you're new, we won't make fun of you. It just says get schooled. We're not going to actually school you. 
Anyways, uh, so fill that out. If they're on all the tables. You could bring it to the nice people when you leave at the welcome uh, little black curtain booth, and they'll give you a CD. The CD is from a worship uh, CD that we recorded on a Friday night, and that's our main meeting as college and 20-somethings. And so this is kind of a small group. This is the Mill Sunday School as a part of the Mill, which is the main uh, ministry. We have worship and a, a sermon on Friday nights. So if you're not familiar with that, you're invited to that as well. So... I think that's all the announcements I have. Let's review, shall we? And so I think on your notes, oh, it doesn't have a place for review. That's okay. Um, you could take, if, usually there's places for everything, but um, let, let's review from last time. Last week, we kind of prefaced this whole talk of evolution and creation. And we said this, that we are all creationists, that there, there isn't really this debate within the church about, did God create? We would say yes. God created in the, in the Nicene Creed that we, we so often say, it begins with, we believe in one God, maker of the heaven and earth, all that is seen and unseen. And I put up this last week. I won't take too much time to, to re-explain it, but if you weren't here, the, the, the gist was that everything is either well, um, one of two things, either God or his creation, that God was the only thing to, to, that is preexistent. Uh, there, he, there's nothing before him. It's not like there was laws or ultimate good and evil or uh, laws of gravity or something like that, and then God came out of that. No, we would say God is God. He's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. No, no, he had no beginning. He always was, always has been, always will be. And out of him came creation, and that, that Latin word ex nihilo. What's it mean? Out of nothing. So he created out of nothing. And so that this is kind of an in-house talk that, that we are all creationists and that we believe that God created, God designed. And so as, especially today as we talk about the different views within Christianity, this is an in-house talk. We're, we're all, okay, we're all Christians. We're all on the same page that God created, that he designed, that his hand made uh, the things that, that, that matter. Everything came out of him. And so, um, so, so this sentence, Christianity believes in a creator. However, there is a debate about how he created. And we'll look at some of that. We'll look at that debate today and line up various viewpoints but there's no, there's no debate, at least within the house of Christianity. If you say, yes, I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus, believe in the Bible, then, then we are creationists. We believe in intelligent design. We believe in a God that made. And so then there becomes questions about how he did that. But it's an in-house talk that he created. And so that, that was something, this is just review from last time. And so if, if, it, if you weren't here last time and you feel like I'm talking a million miles per minute, that's because I am, because it's kind of review. You, I, think, I think the podcast might be up now so you could listen to last week's if you wanted to. But, but there's this thing that we need to do as Christians is, is somewhat reconcile uh, science and, and the Bible that, that science produces uh, hypotheses, that science observes things. If you remember, I talked about how the scientific method works, that you make observations, you make a hypothesis, you conduct an experiment with controls and variables, and then you make some more observations, and then the circle kind of keeps going. And, and, the, and then this sentence, how we, how we bring together, how do we bring, how should we bring together the Bible and science when it comes to creation? Because if you've read the Bible, you know that Genesis 1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void. And then it goes on to say, on day one, he created light. On day two, he uh, created, uh, what did he create on day two? 
some water? <laughs> oh, no, he separated the sky. He separated the sky on day three, those plants. Day four, the sun, the moon. Day five, the, the fish and the birds. And day six, the rest of the animals. So, and so you read that story, and it's like, oh, okay, six-day literal creation. That's just what it is. And if you've been living under a rock for the last uh, 20, however old you are, then, then maybe you don't know that the science and um, the observations, the inferences, the hypotheses that science has made in conducting experiments and viewing the, the fossil record and geology and chemistry have, have kind of a different idea of how the world began and how species evolved and how we got here. So, um, so views within creationism. So if we take... Uh, science somewhat seriously and have to at least deal with the things that science is uh, hypothesizing and theorizing about, then we have this continuum that, that up the top is, is a very biblical, literal interpretation of Genesis chapter 1, and at the bottom would be less literal interpretations and more scientific inferences and hypotheses about how God created. And of course, to remind us all, at the top it says, views within creationism. We are all creationists as Christians, we believe God created. And so here's this continuum. And then here is this slide that I'll leave up for just a little while as we kind of process and think through this, because this is what I'm going to spend um, today on is the Mill Sunday School. We're going to look at uh, we're going to look at a young earth versus an old earth. And I find that, um, you know, the age of the earth is, is like, well, who cares how old it is? You know, it is what it is. Um, but, but there's this delineation, at least in deciding where you stand, I think it's a good delineation, either young earth or old earth, and just saying, oh, here's my framework for, for how old the earth is and how it came into being as far as God creating it. And so um, a young earth would be a literal biblical interpretation of Genesis chapter 1, um, and so we'll talk about that. And then an old earth would be um, that the earth is much older than uh, kind of the genealogies that the Bible presents. And so there's various views of an old earth creationism. Uh, the gap theory, progressive creationism, or something called theistic evolution. And then in, in there also is a, the day-age theory, which we'll talk about as a subset of progressive creationism. So far, so good. So this is what we're talking about. This is kind of the outline of where we're going today. We're going to talk about each one of these in their own due time. And at the top, of course, is very biblical, literal. Uh, and at the bottom is more, the, you would say, the, Bi- the Bible is more figurative. And at the, the bottom would be, uh, I'm more inclined to believe in the science of, of what science is finding and hypothesizing about and merging that with my view that God created. <gasps> okay, so let's begin at the top. A young earth creationism, a.k.a. a literal creation account. And maybe some of you already know, like you'd say, yes, I, I, I believe that. I believe the earth is young. I believe God created in six literal days and then rested on the seventh. And, and so you might say something like this. It says it. I believe it. And so as, as according to the Bible, like why do you believe the earth is young and why do you believe in a six-day literal creation? Well, because the Bible says it and I believe it and, and that's it. And so, and so that's, what, that's what the view is. 
Um, furthermore, the earth is a maximum of about 10,000 years old. How do you get that if you're a biblical uh, literalist as far as Genesis chapter 1 is concerned? Well, it's quite easy. You just take the genealogies like Adam, and then Adam had a son named Seth, and then Seth had a son named Enos, and then Enos had a son named Canaan, and you could trace that lineage all the way to a dude named Abraham. And then in the New Testament, Abraham, you could trace that dude all the way to Jesus. And so you can kind of uh, you could just kind of say, well, I'm not sh- exactly sure when they had their, their firstborn child or, or secondborn or whoever's in the lineage, but you can kind of assume, oh, maybe they had it at you know, 30 years old or 40 years old or 50 or whatever. And so you, do, you kind of just start adding up lifespans between Adam and Jesus, and you get that probably about the earth was is around uh, maybe 4,000 B.C. is when uh, the creation narrative um, happened as far as a literal interpretation of Genesis chapter 1, so that maybe at the very max, the earth would be 10,000 years old if God did in fact literally create human beings on the sixth day, and Adam was that first human, and then at some point he had his son Seth, and then Seth had Enos, and then Enos had Canaan, and then Canaan, on down the line, all the way to um, to trackable history, such as Jesus, who lived about 2,000 years ago. So the earth is young, according to a literal Genesis chapter 1 interpretation. (gasps) Are you following me thus far? Okay, sorry if I scared you by screaming. Um, Last point, um, kind of obvious, that literally the earth, life, the universe, everything was created uh, on the progression of those six first days of creation. And so the first day God created light and he, he separated the day and the night and he, he said that it was good. Uh, the second day he created the sky. He separated the water from the sky. On the third day he made uh, the first life, uh, which is plants, vegetation to fill the air, uh, fill the earth. On the fourth day, um, created lights in the sky, the sun, the moon, the stars. On the fifth day, he created the fishes and all the things that swim. And he also created the birds and all the things that fly. And then on the sixth day, he created everything else, including human beings. So that is the view of the young earth creationism. And so if you're a young earth creationist and you say you go to a non-Christian school like high school or college or you just turn on the TV or you just go outside and talk to somebody about how you believe in a young earth creationism, then they'll start to talk to you probably about science, right? And how science seems as though it's like there's an old earth and plants and animal species have evolved. And so you, as a young earth creationist, probably have one of three views of science. And so if you're a literal uh, six-day young earth creationist, creationist, then you probably have one of these three views of science. And I'll talk about them in a row. The first one is science is bad. Science is evil. And, and, and you might, I hear you giggling out there, but there's actually quite a few young earth literal creationists that would actually say science is bad. It is evil. There is some sort of conspiracy amongst atheists to promote their atheistic agenda in the schools and in the textbooks. And so they want there to be no God and they don't want their lives 
to be um, oriented by anything that, that, that says there is a God and morality. And so science is bad in, in this view of, of like what you would think about science, that there's lots of conspiracies and stuff. Um, someone that kind of teaches like this, and I think would, would admit to being a conspiracy theorist, um, I've heard a lot of his teachings. Maybe you've heard of this guy, Kent Hovind. Anybody heard of Kent Hovind? He's, he's uh, called Dr. Dino. He has drdino.com. He's a young earth literal literalist, uh, a, a creationist as far as the, the Genesis chapter 1. Literal six days. The earth is very young. And uh, he, li- he lived in Pensacola, Florida. He had a dinosaur theme park in Pensacola, uh, Florida, which in, like... This, this idea that if God created all the other animals on, on the sixth day, then dinosaurs and humans would be hanging out together and like, you know, whatever dinos and humans do together. Um, so like you can go to this museum and, and like go on dinosaur rides or something like that. I'm not sure exactly. But um, so, so Ken Hovind is, is definitely kind of a conspiracy theorist. I think he would probably say that he, he was one. He'd say that, you know, that, that the conspiracy of atheists and of science is to to make God not exist. And so they infiltrate the school books. They, um, you know, like Nazism came from atheism and atheism came from evolutionary thinking. And they might say things like um, just this idea that they have this agenda, that scientists and atheists have this agenda to uh, take away God. And so science is bad. Um, Unfortunately, uh, I, um, I met... Kent Hovind has a son, and I met him uh, when I was on a trip in Pensacola. And it was right, I met his son right at the time in which uh, Kent Hovind, um, I, I guess some, some litigation came out against him that he was evading taxes or something like that. It turned out to be true. And so he's, he's actually in federal prison right now on tax evasion, which really just kind of stinks. And, like I, and I met his son, and his son, it was just a heartbreaking story of like, you know, here's this guy trying to, have this museum and be a cool creationist and then he now he's in jail for 10 years kind of stinks but um anyways that doesn't have anything to do with anything um so the first of you science is bad like an actual like it's evil it's atheists versus christians and they're evil and they're trying to infiltrate the schools and our heads and our churches or whatever and then the next view is more um science is just wrong Science, and so this view, you might actively debate. You would have theories of your own in science and promote evidence and bring to the table uh, evidence that, that shows like different things within science, like evolution or that the earth is very old, is in fact wrong. And so maybe this guy would be kind of the picture I would put up for that view. This guy is Ken Ham. Anybody know Ken Ham? He, he has a ministry. It's pretty big, actually, called Answers in Genesis. He... Um, is, is an Australian. He is uh, living in the U.S., though, leading this ministry and actively trying to disprove evolution by using science. And so bringing science against science. And I think, I think the secular science, um, science as far as um, like the textbook science, would probably accuse Ken Ham of like pseudoscience. And, and they would say, oh, it's pseudoscience because you are coming into the scientific world worldview with a pre-understanding that God created uh, the universe in six literal days, and so the earth is very young, and so you're looking for evidence to prove that instead of the actual scientific method of you make observations, then you uh, make a hypothesis from the observations, then you do experiments, and then you reobserve. Instead, the, the Kent Hovind, this kind of science is uh, just saying 
the, the earth is very young, and uh, it happened um, 10,000-ish years ago, and God created on six literal days. So let's look for evidence for that. And so, um, let's see, here's a picture. This, he also has a science, a science uh, creationist museum. I think it's just called the Creation, Creation Museum in Kentucky. And here you can also see, I don't know why that girl is smiling, because there's like a dinosaur three feet from her. But, um, and so you could go and observe um, different scientific findings of a literal Genesis chapter 1 account of a young earth and that God created in six um, literal days. And so that is that view. So science, um, so within creation, if you're a literal young earth, six-day creationist, you might say science is bad, you might say science is just wrong, or you might fall into this last category of science is just theories. And what I mean by that is, well, maybe you're not actively debating or actively saying that science is in fact evil. You're just kind of saying, well, the philosophy of science itself is that science will change. Like science doesn't just say, we got it all figured out. Here it is. No. Science says, well, let's keep testing it and see if there's any exceptions to that rule. And then maybe an exception is found. And then, and then other theories to how that thing works that you're trying to explain has to change. And so science, the philosophy of science itself is that it is ever changing and, and will ever change because there's always something new to, to experiment on and to keep learning. And so on your on your uh, skillet, we have this, your, your notes, if you picked one of these up when you came in. There's a quote by C.S. Lewis, which I'll read, and then I'll continue the quote, which comes out of a, a book of his called Miracles. Uh, C.S. Lewis says, man, it, man became scientific because they expected law in nature, and they expected law in nature because they believed in a legislator. So people became scientific because... In in essence, the quote is saying we wanted to learn more about how things were designed because there's a creator and we look at his creation, then then we can exemplify him and learn more about him and how he works by studying his creation. The rest of the the, the um, quote says this. In most modern scientists, this belief has died, the idea that we're studying the creation to learn more about the creator. Uh, it is inter- interesting to see how long their confidence in uniformity survives. Two significant develops, developments have already appeared. The hypothesis of a lawless subnature, meaning there's no God, and the surrender of that claim that science is true. We may, and so this is C.S. Lewis's final uh, sentence here, we may be living nearer than we suppose to the end of the scientific age. So whatever that's worth, exemplifying this thought, this last point, that science will change. And so if if you're a six-day literal creationist and and you don't think science is evil or bad, and you don't think, oh, science is... Um, you know, that, that science can disprove science. And, but you might just be saying, listen, it's, it's wrong be, just because um, the philosophy of science is that we'll always keep learning and eventually we'll come back around to a literal six-day creation w- in which scientifically we could prove that the earth is very young, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the young earth creationist view. And so for each one of these views, I'm going to put up... Um, put up uh, positive and, positives and negatives of, of each view. And they're going to be very simplified, of course. 
But um, the positives and negatives of this view, I think the positives, um, that, that it's just a simple biblical approach. If you're a literal six-day creationist, you're young earth, then, then you would just say, well, I, I believe that just because the Bible says that, and, and you know, whatever science says, that, that's over there, but you know, I know the Bible's true, and so I just have a simple approach to the Bible. It says it, I believe it. So that's kind of the positive, that you just, I believe in the Bible, there it is, uh, and, and so that's what it is. A negative of this view is just kind of the obvious that this view is mocked severely from the scientific and secular communities. Just the, the, the science that is out there is the observations, the hypothesis that have been made is saying the earth is very old and various fields of science are showing that the earth is very old. And so to, to, to say, oh, yeah, the earth is 10,000 years old, people just kind of look at you like you have lobsters coming out of your ears, like you're insane. What is wrong with you? Um, how could you even begin to say that? Have you ever opened a textbook in your life? Um, and so that's obviously the negative uh, of this view of creationism, um, that it is, in fact, so heavily mocked. And not just that it's mocked, but maybe you yourself, uh, maybe most of you are probably in college right now or graduated a secular high school in which you learned about evolution. And maybe you weren't just mocked, but maybe internally you yourself were like, yeah, does this really line up with with the observable world around us, like that we look at things and canyons and and rocks and like how things forms. And and it's like, oh, there's fossils and the fossil record seems to betray this. And how can, how can science be so ridiculously wrong and, 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 and the Bible be so ridiculously right. And there's no um, interwoven knitting in between them. So that's this view. Um, The young earth creationist view and, and so with the time that we have left, I want to get into the old earth creationist view. But th- that's the young earth creationist view. And maybe most of you, maybe some of you, uh, maybe the minority of you, I don't know how many. We're going to actually, I'm going to try to conduct a little vote at the end of Sunday school, reminding you that we're going to, you're going to, I want you at least to try to eat, pick one as far as like, yeah, I, if I had to pick, I don't want to pick, but if I had to pick, I would pick this one. Um, uh, we'll get to that. And so that's the young earth creationism. And now we get to old earth creationism. And I'll preface this with um, the idea that next week here in the Mill Sunday School, we'll talk about, okay, from the context of the Bible, Genesis, um, and the, the rest of the context of the Bible, can we say that the Genesis account of creation is not literal? Can we even do that from the context of Scripture? That's next week's uh, topic of discussion. Um, so we haven't talked about that yet, but let's obviously just assume that we can because many Christians do. Um, and so, but, but we'll talk fully about that next time, uh, ask, answering the question, can we even do that? Um, and so that's next week, but, but let's, today we'll talk about old earth creationism. Um, and obviously this is kind of a duh thing, but the earth is old. If you believe in an old earth creationism, the earth is old. How old will depend on, well, various views within a creationism of an old earth creationism. But um, according to science, does anyone know how old the earth is? 4.6 billion years old. Um, and that maybe the, the Big Bang happened 13 point something billion years ago. That This Big Bang thing happened and then the earth was formed uh, later as it was, I don't know, I don't really understand the Big Bang Theory exactly, but I mean, I, I have this picture in my head of just like this really big firework 
It's like, sweet. And then it, like, explodes, and then somehow the earth comes out of that. But anyways, um, so, so you, you would believe that the earth is very old. And you might say things like, uh, there, there's various ways of looking at science and combining it with the creation narrative. And so those, th- those ways are this. Um, these uh, four points, actually a fifth point, and there's a subset of progressive creationism that we'll talk about called the day-age theory. But this would say, um, the, these views would say, you know, the science, the, the observ, observ, observable world around us, it does seem like the earth is older than 10,000 years old. And so uh, I'm going to take that somewhat seriously and and try to figure out what what really happened. How did God create? You're not asking, did God create? As Christians, we would all say, God did create. That's one of our, you know, he is the creator. But, but kind of trying to figure out how did God create that this gap theory, progressive creationism, or theistic evolution, these three main points. And so we'll take them one at a time. The gap theory, anybody familiar with this one? I see lots of hands. The gap theory is basically this, that you're, you still hold a literal view that God created in six days. However, you, you might say that there was a gap of time between verses 1 and 2 or verses 2 and 3. And from this, you kind of say, well, from geology, studying the earth and how canyons are formed and how wind erodes things, how water erodes things, you would say, oh, this canyon is this deep. And so that canyon doesn't really form after 100 years or 1,000 years. For this deep of a canyon to form, it probably took uh, hundreds of, maybe millions of years for this to form. And so, well, maybe what happened is, was there was a gap of time between verses 1 and 2 or verses 2 and 3 of Genesis. So let's look at it. And so it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, period. And so a gap theory says, okay, God created the heavens and the earth. There they are. Like the heaven, heavens, uh, and the earth is right there. And, and then it's going to say that there was the earth was formless and empty empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep because he doesn't create light yet and the spirit of god was hovering over the waters so there's the earth there's waters and there's the heavens and so the idea is that somewhere in in verses one two or between two and three there's a gap of potentially billions of years millions of years in which water eroded on the earth and kind of formed the things that we have today, like the plate tectonics moving around, the mountains, the, the wind erosion. You look at Garden of the Gods, it's like, oh, wind and water eroded that rock away. It was at one level, now it's at a different level, and that took millions of years to happen. And so the millions of years, where does that come from? Well, it comes from this idea that the, that the earth was created with water on it, and it was around for billions of years before day one, in which God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that the light was good, and he divided the day and night, etc. So it's still a literal six days, but the earth was around a long time before that six-day progression started. Make sense? Okay, hopefully. Um, I had a friend, this is a rabbit trail, but I had a friend um, that, that really believed in this the, this idea, the gap theory that, that God created the heavens and the earth, that the darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And I met this guy when I was in L.A. I was in L.A. for one year working on my master's degree in theology. 
And uh, he was a huge surfer and like he would lead surfing trips from like the school. And he was like this Christian surfing foundation in which he would like surf and like meet other Christians and then try to witness and evangelize uh, surfers for Jesus. And and he the way he talked about surfing was just like, dude, you're out there, man, because he would just say like, yeah, you get out there. And, and you just lift your hands and praise to God. And he created it all. And the waves that we ride, there's no other wave like an ocean wave, like light waves and sound waves. They move so fast, but water waves are like at our speed. They're being created just for us. And then he got into like weird theology, like not heretical theology, just weird theology. And he said, dude, God created the heavens and the earth. And do you know what he did before he created anything else? Dude, he was hovering over the waters. It's like, that's why surfing is so important. That's why, like, when you're surfing, your soul is connecting with God himself. And I was like, dude, you're so weird, man. Like, I can't point the heretical pin on you because it's not heretical. It's just weird. So stop being weird. But uh, that, was his, that was his theory um, that, sur- that God was, that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters so that God, for billions of years, was surfing. It's like, dude, just out there getting stoked you know one wave after another just waiting for that bigger set to come in and that's what he was doing but whatever um so anyways the gap theory views within creationism uh we're talking about the gap theory the gap theory is a part of the old earth that the earth is very old here's some positive and negatives positives um flows with the old earth scientific hypothesis so science is kind of uh, hypothesizing and, and from the observations made uh, science is kind of saying that the earth is very old and so the positive of this view it says well at least we're, we're flowing with that part we believe the earth is very old if you're a gap theory a believer um, and, and yet uh, the positive number two you're still a very literal interpretation of genesis so you would still say god did create in six literal days but the earth is very old because maybe there was some gap of time in between god creating the heavens and the earth and then day one where he creates light um the negatives of this view um number one what about the fossils of life in the geological layers like we have these within the scientific observations the hypothesis is that you know there's these layers of rocks and let's just say a canyon and the canyon take you know if we imagine water flowing down this canyon and we could measure how wide the canyon is how much water would have flowed down this canyon year after year we could uh scientifically hypothesize that the canyon is let's just say uh 10 million years old because that's how long it takes for water to wear through this type of rock. We could observe the effects of the rock, effects of water on rock. So it's like, oh, that's cool. So that's what the earth is very old because there was a gap of time between the, the heavens and the earth and there was water on it and water was doing that erosion. That's why that canyon is there. Okay, got it. But then you're like, well, why is there fossils in the, in the layers of the canyon? Why, fossils of life. And it's like, well, if the earth is very old, and then on day one, you know, day one of the six days, God created the uh, light. And then day two, day three, he created vegetation. Day uh, four, then day five, he created the fish. Day six, he created the rest. Why are some of those life forms in these very old features of the rock? And so, so it's like half of it is like, okay, you believe in an old earth because the effects of the canyons and stuff like that. But then it's like, well, there's life fossils within these, these layers. And so it doesn't just 
totally do justice to, to uh, what science is hypothesizing. Number two, what about the evolutionary hypothesis of life? What about, say, the fossil record and observable things of, uh, like species change, uh, et cetera, et cetera, within the scientific worldview? And so it's not this, like, just because if, if you do believe in the gap theory, it's not like, oh, I, I perfectly have knitted together science and the literal interpretation of the Bible. It's like, well, there's more problems than just... Maybe on maybe in the 1800s and the 19th century, this this is where the gap theory came from because the theory of evolution hadn't yet been developed by Darwin, but yet the 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 geological sciences were much more um, progressive in the 1800s, and so people in the 1800s in the scientific world thought the Earth was much older than it was, and so this theory, the gap theory, made a lot of sense in the 1900s. But as we found fossils and this theory of evolution came into existence well then it just there's not a meshing between science and the literal interpretation of the bible like there once was all right it's so good okay uh the the next view so we're still within old earth creationism just to remind us again, we are creationists. We believe God created. We're talking about how did God create. And so this view, so we talked about gap theory. This next theory is progressive creationism. The idea that God created in progressions, like progressions of time. Um, that new species were created and did not evolve. This is, if you wanted to write this particular one down and maybe put a star next to it or something, if you're taking notes, um, this is going to be the big difference between progressive, evol- progressive creationism and theistic evolution. Theistic evolution is going to say plants and animal species actually evolved. Progressive creationism says, no, uh, we believe that God created them, that new species were formed because God said, you know, let, let the waters teem with, with life, and then that these new species were created. New species did not evolve. But this is an old earth creationism idea that... that um, God, over time, over millions of years, billion, whatever, the, the amount of time, God said, okay, now let's have all these animals come about. And then, and then they were created out of nothing. The new species came out of nothing. And uh, so let, now let's talk about this day-age theory. Have you heard about the day-age theory and the word maybe yom, um, and the word Hebrew word for day? The, the day-age theory is basically this, that the earth is very old and um, each day in Genesis chapter 1, is actually an age and not a 24-hour day. And so if that's true, then that would be trying to mesh uh, scientific observations of what has been found and hypothesized of evolution in the old earth with the, the, the Genesis narrative and say, well, the, the six days aren't literal 24-hour days. They're more like ages. And so in the beginning, God created light. And so maybe there was just light for a billion years. And then maybe there was, um, I'm, I'm just randomly throwing out numbers, by the way. And then like, and then God, on the third day, God created plants. And then there was just uh, millennia, millions of years of just plants. And then God said, you know, on the fifth day, uh, let, let the waters teem with fish. And so all these fish came about. And so the, the day-age theory is that the Genesis chapter 1, the days are more like ages. And so sometimes this verse is used, Second Peter 3.18, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. That idea that, you know, the day is very long, it's kind of somewhat, in my opinion, taken out of context because it's like, dude, this is Second Peter. is not specifically talking about 
evolution and Genesis, but whatever, the, the idea is there, some might argue. Um, furthermore, uh, this is probably a better argument that you actually go into the Hebrew of the Genesis chapter 1 account. You read in the Hebrew, and there's this uh, Hebrew word, yom, which means day. And of course, it can mean um, like day as in 24 hours, but just kind of like our day. Like we could say the day of the Lord, and we would mean, oh, the, the time of the Lord. Or we could say something like, dude, this lesson is taking all day. And he's like, well, it's not a literal 24-hour day. It's just taking a long time. Um, <laughs> trying to make a joke here, people. Um, anyways, uh, so, so the Hebrew word yom could mean a period of time. It could mean an age. It is used in the context of the Old Testament as uh, a literal 24-hour day. Or it could mean uh, a much longer time than that. So the day-age theory falls within progressive creationism because sometimes this this idea of, oh, the six days of Genesis are not literal days. Um, they are more like ages. And um, this guy, probably, does anybody know Hugh Ross? A couple of people do. He's written a lot of books. He has a ministry called Reasons to Believe. He's a big progressive creationist. Uh, he's is a PhD in astronomy, and um, he, he kind of does a lot of debates and, and things like that uh, as a, an outspoken person for uh, not a six literal day creationism, but a creationism where he says God created over time and that new species were, were, were created ex nihilo over this long period of time. And that's the way God works. And so let's get to, just like we did with the other views, the positives and negatives of this view. Positive number one, meshes well with science, explains, uh, let's see, meshes well with science. Talk about that first, that that science is saying, the, the, the observations that science has made is like, oh, the earth is old, and there's the, the, the fossil record seems to go from older to, to newer, that the older, more simpler plants and animals, and then the newer are more complex plants and animals. And so that kind of meshes with the, the progressive creationist view that God created over time, over maybe millions of years, new species were created ex nihilo, out of nothing, and, and brought to the earth. Um, by God himself over time. Number two, and it explains um, the origins of human life um, and this idea that, you know, that we have the Imago Dei inside of us, that the Imago Dei, this is another Latin word for image of God. Thank you, yes. And so that we as humans are different than the other animals. We have the image of God inside of us. Therefore, um, this next view that we're going to talk about, theistic evolution, says uh, humans, every life evolved. Um, this view, progressive creationism, says that, oh, God created ex, these species ex nihilo. Therefore, it's a, I guess it meshes more with this idea that we as humans are very different than the rest of the plant and animal kingdom. We have the image of God. We have the image of God because God created us ex nihilo, out of nothing, put humanity here on the earth, and that we did not just evolve from lower life forms or primates. So that's, those are the positive things of, of this view when we're combining science and a literal uh, creationism. So uh, the negatives, um, so if, number one, is if there's literal ages, uh, if you hold that like, oh, that, like the day age theory, if there's literal ages, then, then see, th- things seem to be out of order, like, uh, for instance, day one, God created light. And it says that he separated the, the night, the, the light from the day. And then he says, and then there was light, and then there was day, the first day, uh, Yom, and God said it was good. 
So he's like, wait, so was there a million years of light and then a million years of darkness? Like, that doesn't make sense. And then why, let's see, on day two, he separates the earth, uh, the, 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 the sky from the waters. And then on day three, he creates the plants. But then it's not until day four that he creates the sun and the moon and the stars. Like, wait just a minute. That doesn't make sense. How can a plant live for potentially millions of years without the sun? Everybody say, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. Yeah, so it doesn't all... And, and so some day-age theorists, some progressive creationists have said, oh, it's, it's much more figurative than like an, an exact age. Uh, it's not like these specific ages. It's more like it's just lots of ages kind of blending together um, to, to make that happen. Um, number two, the, the negatives, the kind of the problems with progressive creationism is the hermeneutical approach, which we'll talk more about next week. This idea of why would or would the ancient audience have interpreted this way? And so looking at like if, if God really intended to write down this record that he created over long periods of ages, why would he use, you know, why would he say then there was day, then there was night the first day? Why, you know, it's pretty clear that he's, at least from the context of Genesis 1 that he's talking about, a literal, like the ancient world wouldn't have thought, oh, maybe God's talking about ages. No, they would have thought six literal days and he rested on the seventh. That's why we take the seventh day off. That's why it's the Sabbath, because God rested, et cetera, et cetera. We, we, want, we don't take like millions of years as a rest. We take a day to rest. And so it's, we'll, we'll get in more into this point next week, but I think it is potentially a problem for the creation, uh, excuse me, the progressive creationism. So, but there's obviously some pro- positives here. So, next view, the, the last view that we'll talk about. Theistic evolution, that God used natural means to make life and then evolve it. Um, and, and this idea, uh, God started it all off and put the laws into place. God made life, he made the heavens and the earth, put it all into place, put the laws into place so that things would evolve, things would carry on, and, and that's the way he did it. Um, someone who kind of represents this, this uh, view a little bit, maybe Ben Stein. How many of you saw the movie uh, Expelled, No Intelligence allow, Allowed? It's a pretty good film, uh, done in, 19, uh, excuse me, in 2008, just a few years ago, and he was the main uh, dude in it. He's actually a Jewish uh, person, not a Christian, and he would hold to the view of a theistic evolution that God created um, the heavens and the earth. He created life. And, and the, the, the problem that I think some, sometimes science has is like, okay, if things did evolve, then what's this first thing that happened? And there's those theories about, oh, well, lightning struck a mud puddle, and the mud puddle formed into cells, or formed into um, self-replicating amino acids or something. And, and so, so it's, it's like, okay, well, okay, weird, but okay. But then amino acids, it's like, how, how does it really begin? Really? Like, that's the best theory you got. Um, so a theistic evolution says God created, uh, maybe a long time ago, put the laws into place, and then from there, things evolved. Um, theistic evolution, positives and negatives. Uh, number one, meshes perfectly, in, in quotations, with the scientific hypothesis that, that you know, things life evolved and the earth is very old, that God just put it all into place, that the biblical narrative account is very figurative, and um, that, that's that. Uh, negatives, um, in this view, I think God becomes very deistic. He becomes, he remo- God removes himself from his creation, just sets it all in place, and then God kind of 
pieces out because everything's already set into place. He becomes more deistic. Um, uh, number two, human evolution and the Imago Dei. We kind of run into problems. If, if you're a theistic evolutionist, you would say um, that God created uh, life and then life evolved. Therefore, uh, Cro-Magnon Man and uh, like Lucy, these early hominids, they are just, um, they evolved into who we are today. And that is kind of opposite or anti this biblical account that God created humanity in the image of God and then gave him dominion over the world. And it's like, well, you know, we, we in, at least in the context of the Bible, it seems like humans are different than all other plants and animals. And so theistic evolution kind of runs into problems when they hold the Bible and say, well, yeah, the Imago Dei evolved from these earlier plants and animals, these earlier primates, whatever. Um, and, then, and that's kind of a problem, I think, for this view. So, in conclusion... Let's pick one. Let's vote. If you had to vote um, and say, you're a young earther or you're an old earther. And then if you're an old earther, you, uh, you have to pick one of these three. You don't have, I'm not forcing you. Like, I'm, I'm just I'm doing, I'm compelling you to vote, um, to kind of, to pick one. And next week we'll talk, maybe we'll do some discussion. I, I really wanted to do discussion today, but there's only like uh, three minutes left. And so there's not enough time. Um, but, but which one would you pick if you had to pick and I'm, you have to pick, um, those are the rules. So, uh, so I'll, I'll say a young earth and we'll raise your hand if you're a young earther. And remember, this is all an in-house conversation. We're not going to kick you out if you choose one view or another view. And then I'll say, so you're, you're, so you have to vote for one of four. You'll either young earth, a gap theory, progressive creationism, or theistic evolution. Those are the four votes. Does everyone have a vo- vote in their mind? All right. Young Earth. All right. Gap theory. Uh, progressive creationism. Now oh, that's quite a few. And then theistic evolution. Who didn't vote? <laughs> I saw that. Um, so, so at least, so in here, in the Middle Sunday School, there's, there's some from every, every one of these choices. It seemed to me that the majority was a young earth, maybe not the majority, but the most voted young earth. And then second would be progressive creationism, right? Is that kind of what I said? Is that what you saw? Yeah. So, um, yeah, we'll continue. Hopefully this is kind of, I mean, th- this is very kind of a heady lesson that we're doing. Is like, well, how does science and the Bible, how did that merge? And even though it's a heady lesson, I think there's implications, which we'll talk about next week. Implications of how we, do we view the Bible? How do we view God and, and what he does and how he creates? And so I just want to, I guess, close with rereading Psalm 19, which, which we did open up with this, but I just thought we could meditate on it and think about these words because God did create. You know, we are all creationists in here. No matter how he created, we are creationists. And so I thought the work of God's hands do exemplify that he created. So verse one says this, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet the voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the earth. 
In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at the end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. God, we do worship you. We praise you right now. God, as, as there's lots of confusion about um, Genesis chapter 1, as there's lots of confusion about as we observe the outside world and try to make sense of the things you've created God, even though there is that confusion, allow us to trust in you. Allow us to see your creation as this beautiful thing that that it's declaring the works of your hands. God, we do worship you. We praise you for for making it, for, for creating it, and even calling it good. God, we praise you this day. We leave here excited to learn more about you and the things you've created. We worship you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, everybody. You're officially dismissed. See you next week. Thanks for voting. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.